Welcome to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. In this podcast, there'll be insights around three key areas to mastering the game of life. Purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. Your host, Paul Lowe, the third sector mentor, is the founder of Hearts Global CIC, which along with many other of his charitable commitments, has been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities. Author of Mastering the Game of Life, From Pain to Purpose, and Speaking from Our Hearts books. Introducing your host, Paul Lowe. Welcome everyone. Welcome to the Game of Life podcast, where today... I'll shortly introduce my guest, Matthew Burbridge, and we will be talking about there's more than one way to change. And I think it's a very appropriate title, um, not just contextually for me and Matthew, because we've had conversations around our different philosophies, but also for people in general, because I think as we're looking, as we're struggling in pain or suffering, we're looking for those guiding lights, those tidbits, those bits of inspiration that are going to move us along. And from my experience, there's not there's not one size that fits all. So I think as we learn and grow, we learn and grow from other people that that we'll, we'll pick up something that he or she has got um, and we'll we'll mold that into our, our own belief system or our own level of awareness of where that is in any one given moment in time. So, um, Matthew, um, tell us a bit about yourself. Firstly, hi Paul, hi everybody um, that may be listening or watching. Um, it's great to be on, and thanks to Paul for reaching out on uh, social media to uh, for us to initially get the ball rolling. A um, little bit about me. So, if anybody is or has followed me and my journey so far, they can go back and, and read or watch uh, my full story. But I'll just give you guys kind of like a, a snippet of kind of where I've been and where I am today. So um, when I was younger, a lot of the things that I experienced up until the age of 10 completely delete, deleted. I think there's a word for it, it's cognitive deletion or something, where you have a traumatic experience at some stage in your life and you, and you essentially delete a lot of the other memories um, because obviously the, the big pivotal moment takes um, some form of control over how we see ourselves or, or our future. Um, so when I was 10 years old, my old brother committed uh, murder. And at that point, we were living in a not very nice place. Um, you know, we, we always grew up in council estates. So my life was pretty different, you know, in, in terms of where I am today, um, my life was pretty much predefined. You know, there was a lot of, um, a lot of difficulties as I was growing up. Um, so through school and through college, became addicted to drugs, um, isolated myself from, 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 from friends at times and um, really experienced a lot of hardships, a lot of fears, a lot of failures as I was growing up. Uh, only, only got out of drugs at the age of 22, you know, I'm 28 today. Um, so, you know, gone through quite a lot of, of, of the bad times, um, but today I'm the founder of my own uh, lifestyle brand called Be Supreme. So we are a globally recognized ethos-driven brand for entrepreneurs specifically who want to be more, do more, and be supreme. And that little three pillar is actually my ethos. And little did I know that going through all the experiences that I've been through um, from sort of 10 years old and upwards, I was forging that ethos and creating it. And I just didn't really know until a few years back when I started the brand, um, which is the, the incredible thing about it, Paul, and I'm sure we'll get to talking about that at some point. Yeah, 
So just to reaffirm, Matt, it's your birthday today? No, 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 no. no oh. not birthday. All right. So when you no. said I'm 28 today, I thought, mm, okay. We're, we're a few months early. <laughs> okay. Yeah, likewise, likewise. Um, okay. So for di- if I can just dig down on that a bit then, Matt, um, when you say for entrepreneurs, is it solely for entrepreneurs, your 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 mindset your your material is it around um well is it just around entrepreneurs or is it got a more holistic um i won't say one size fits all but you know for for example and i know we've had conversations particularly around say the homeless you know does your model encompass being able to deal with uh, a person that's homeless for example and taking them on a journey look here's the thing right the ethos the reason why I, I developed it. The brand is an ethos driven brand is because I believe that everybody can utilize my ethos to, to create change. Um, be that an entrepreneur, an aspiring entrepreneur, a, you know, a homeless person, whatever it is. Yeah. Sorry, I won't say a homeless person. I mean a person who's homeless. Um, so it could be, it could be anyone, anyone can pick the ethos up and, and, and kind of help it help them you know help they can help themselves through using it um but the brand itself so the 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 actual products if you will is specifically for entrepreneurs it's how we're trying to market anyway so i actually created a niche and that's quite difficult to do there isn't many entrepreneurs out there that want protein powder believe it or not um but for me as as fitness has changed my life so incredibly um to the point where if i hadn't you know, had the epiphany moment and moved towards fitness and, and health, I would have been in prison or dead by now. So for me, it changed massively my life. And even in business, as I started to develop in, in, in what I do through coaching and um, and things like that, fitness is always, well, active lifestyle has always kept me at the peak of my performance. You know, it's always kept me right at the tip of my performance. And um, I've got a lot of, you know, probably everything that I have today is 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 from that change in my life so i know that there's a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are sitting behind laptops that are sitting behind desks and we're working 60 70 hour weeks some of us um you know we're not up we're sedentary and i just promote healthy lifestyle just get up and take a 20 minute walk three times a week if you can if that's all you can fit in because your schedule's hard do you know what that's going to do something it's better than nothing and at the end of that, you're going to be, you know, you're going to need something to aid your performance to make you feel better, to repair some muscle. And protein powder, believe it or not, is not just for bodybuilders and people, you know, the, the, the athletes. It, it can just be for general people who do a little bit of activity that may be protein deficient. So for me to actually, when I started the brand, I started Be Supreme as a bodybuilding brand because at the time I was going through a bodybuilding show. Um, And I was really heavily involved in that kind of lifestyle. And what happened was kind of as I developed both mentally, physically um, and started to grow and develop, I realized that bodybuilding was just a catalyst of change in my life. It wasn't my life. It wasn't something that I was going to continue to do for years and years and years and years. It served its purpose in helping me grow mentally and physically and then that was it. So I just, you know, I had to change the brand because it was moving with me. Um, so it's not a separate entity. Be Supreme is, is a personal brand. It's about me. It's about my, my journey, my story. It's about my vision. It's about trying to help people live through the ethos and, and, and better their lives, just like it's done for me. 
So the brand had to change pathways when I started to change pathways. So believe it or not, Paul, it's specifically for entrepreneurs. Like we want to market towards entrepreneurs because I know that being one myself, using the be more, do more ethos and our products combined will help you be supreme and that's the point of the whole brand is to is to get to that level of be supreme is to be the highest ranking authority of yourself the best version you can possibly be um but having said that marketing protein powder to entrepreneurs is not typically a product they want um whereas you know if i was to market stationary <laughs> i'd probably have a multi-seven figure business by now <laughs> <laughs> they they don't know they want it yet, Matt. Well, this is the thing, you know. I, I I'm very much of the mindset that, you know, I could have gone out and I could have I could have done what every business does. Okay, I could have asked the market research. Hey, well, what do you want? They would tell me what they want. Mm. I go away and I create what they want, and then I say, guys, I've got it for you. Come and buy it. But that doesn't sit with my belief it doesn't it's not in alignment with my purpose you know my ethos is and so is the vision that i have around helping entrepreneurs be more do more and be supreme so i'm not going to go out and go with the herd and create a product that they necessarily um want i'm going to create a brand and products and services that i believe can help them and although that's going to be challenging I know it can help them. So if I know it can help them, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stop until it's done. I'm going to tick that box. Absolutely. And and from a personal level, I can massively resonate with the, the benefits of, uh, of a, healthy, a healthy body and certainly a healthy mind because at uh, even at my early juncture, and I resonate with your, you know, and I know you're going to give us more insights around your story and build on that, Matt, but... From an early age, my um, because of my upbringing and my influences, I was addicted to alcohol and violence. And I say addicted to violence because it gave me one of the six human needs called significance. I actually became very good at it. Didn't know what I was doing or why I was doing it, but I learned that behaviour under the banner of survival. So it gave me significance. I then changed that later in life for helping others. There was a polarised switch. And there again, that became very, very addictive behavior and neither are healthy, neither are healthy. But the, the one thing that the commonality that I'm trying to, I suppose, reinforce at this early juncture is fitness, because even at the height of my binging, and it was psychological addiction for me, that I would do maybe six months on and six months off. And I couldn't sustain, I needed yin and yang, I needed black and white, I needed both of them. I couldn't sustain one without the other. That was where my mindset and my beliefs were at, at the time. And it helped me survive. Now, the polarisation of that was that when I was in a white phase, I would achieve, I would donate, I would, I, I would get great results. Not only for myself, but I would give that away to other people and inspire whatever that may be. Flip side of that is I would end up on park benches, drinking anything at all I could get my hands on. Uh, I needed a hit and I would deliberately sabotage all the positive relationships, all the love that had been bestowed upon me. I pushed it away. I rejected it. There was deservingness issues, as I've said, lack of self-love, self-esteem. Um, and, and it was it was um, it was self-sabotage personified. The one thing that kind of ran 
through that, even in my darkest phases, Matt, which is kind of bringing in what you said there around the, uh, and I don't think fitness, the benefits of fitness and health really needs any kind of uh, endorsement because it speaks for itself. But from a personal perspective, and obviously I know we share this, uh, even in my dark phases was, I know that when I come off it, off the drink, I would be on a very, very disciplined, hard fitness regime. I would literally switch from one to the other. Usually I've had a week or 10 days of being sick and because of obviously the mess my inside was in because of um, the stuff that I'd tipped down it. But nonetheless, you know, I was back on it. So that kept, actually, there was a bit of a paradox there because that kept my mind very strong. All that did, though, was fuel the strength for my next black phase which made me drink even harder. So it became a, a bit like a hamster on a wheel going round and round and round. Do you know, it, that, that is a whole nother conversation and a whole nother interview, I think, to talk about how, because it, it's, it's an addiction. You know, I dropped drugs and, and dr drink and partying and that lifestyle and violence for the catalyst of change again was fitness for me. You know, yeah. at the time, actually, it was, um, it was boxing. So... We're going back um, to when, so I'd, after my brother had done what he'd done, um, again, the area that we lived in was no good. People that it happened to were just an eye for an eye mentality. So, you know, you've done something to one of ours, we're going to do something to one of yours. Unfortunately, because we turned my eldest brother in, so we went to the police and turned him in. Um, and then we had to have our windows and doors boarded up on the property, a panic alarm put in the kitchen downstairs and also my mum's bedroom upstairs. They couldn't get him. So who do you think they come to? It was us, right? So they come to us and they were trying to break in and all this stuff happened. But years down the line, when I'd been removed from the schools and changed names, changed our location, and we, we ended up um, being resettled about two years later. And when I was resettled into like a new school, um, it was a case of my, basically my mum and me um, years down the line. So after school had happened, it was quite a difficult transition, but through college and, and drug addiction, my mum sat with me one day when I was, I think it was probably coming up to 22, just before I stopped taking drugs. It was the first catalyst. Um, we were flicking through some of this, quite hard for me to talk, talk about because it's, you know, it's quite deep um, places that I have to visit. But we were flicking through a newspaper one day and my mum was saying to me that, you know, this is, the, this is it. Like, you've got to stop this. This is it's going on too long. You're 22 years old now almost and this is just too much. You've got to stop. You're going to end up in the same place as your brother and you're going to end up dead. And it was. It was, it was, a, it was a fork in the road. It was either or. And we were flicking through the newspaper and, you know, I could barely hold a conversation together. I mean, I was on drugs pretty much seven days a week and I was dealing them. So I was just constantly on them. And my mum was flicking through the newspaper and she was reading off jobs. And like any 22-year-old drug dealer, you know, alpha male thinks he's um, on top of the world. Um, you, you know, I was like, oh, I'm not working there. Our oh, Tesco's, oh, I'm not fucking doing that. And, you know, really, she was reading off all these jobs. I was telling her I wasn't going to bother because obviously I was making a lot of money from doing what I was doing. And she flicks past one of the pages and she said, how's about this? This is a, you can become qualified as an ABA boxing coach through um, the AQA awards, delivering the AQA awards in schools. And you get paid for it. And I thought, do you know what, actually, that's 
that's actually right up my street because I was a bit of a scrapper anyway. So do you know what, boxing? Yeah, I'll have a go. And she made me phone up the guy, Quentin Chillingford, his name is. He's an MBE, so he's been knighted by the Queen for the amount of amazing work that he does um, and um, for the youth. And um, I, I phoned him up, and I can't remember that conversation. I can't remember the interview, and I can't remember too much of how I, what, on reflection, what I must have been like in an interview. Because it's not anything like today, you know, where I can finish conversations and have a normal conversation. I was just a shell of a human being. So I don't know why, but he employed me. He took me on. And it was it was the most ludicrous thing ever. I remember going back home to my mum and just, like, I now have a job, you know? <laughs> Money was bloody terrible. But what came was a, a, a what, what the catalyst for me was, was I was still kind of dabbling in drugs at that point. So I would still be on them a few days a week. And um, I basically, I hadn't been convicted for a crime up until that point. So I'd only ever had um, like a frame, a GBH put on, but it wasn't ever convicted. So they were on the record, but they weren't, there wasn't a criminal record. What do they call that? Where it's on listing, but it's not on your record. I, I honestly don't know. Right. My so, misdemeanors were recorded. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't know. So, um, so I actually had to do a CRB check, obviously done for that. And it came back all clear. I managed to get a job. So, um, when I went there, it was a case of 50% of the education was done in the classroom. So the academic side of healthy debate, nutrition, and that's that kind of thing. And then the 50% was done in the, in, in the PE. So it was done in the physical education side, boxing, genuine ABA boxing. And uh, I ended up getting qualified as an ABA coach. And the more that I kind of done it, like I was getting more and more addicted to it. It was like I was getting a new buzz and the, the weed would stop and filter out and then I'd be just getting up in the morning doing some abs. Like it was just a complete, like you said, it's just a, a complete opposite end of the spectrum. And um, I went through that and what the real catalyst for me was, wasn't the fact that I was training. It wasn't that. The real catalyst, or rather the epiphany, I guess that was the catalyst, the epiphany for me that pushed me over the bridge to say, oh, this, is, this, is, this is what I should be doing with my life now, was the fact that the area we were doing it, so in one of the schools that we were working, it was a, you know, disprivileged area. So there was a lot of kids, a lot of violence around there, drug taking and things like that. And because I was relatable to some of those kids, like they would tell me things about what they'd done at the weekend, you know, like, oh, I fucking went out, smashed some keys, right? and things like that. And I know it's not nice, but they could relate to me because I was the closest thing to relatable. And um, when they were in that room, boxing, it was gone. Mm. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't, they just were not the same kids talking about that stuff or, or doing that. They loved, they abs a lot of them absolutely loved it. And, from my observations, what I saw was a shift in them and seeing it, seeing how these kids would come in and they develop in the gym, they develop their mindset, they develop their, their, their physical body and then they'd leave and then they'd go back to old habits and their old routines and their old influences and their old friends, which is exactly what had happened to me over the years, which is why it kept me where it, where it was. It was only when I came out of that and, and, and made the changes so for me the epiphany was wow this is really fucking changing these kids lives if only for a brief hour whilst they're in the session it's changing their lives and then they're, unfortunately they're going back to the same patterns which is a whole different thing but for me that was the epiphany and i realized at that point that actually this is what 
this is this is what one of my purpose. This is what I need to be doing. This is what I need to be doing with my life. It's helping people make these changes. Let me come in there, Matt, if I may. That word, that P word you've just used, perfect, purpose. The question I was going to ask you, um, but you've just kind of answered answered it for me. Would it be fair to say that in that moment in your life, you discovered your purpose? At that point, yeah. Yeah. It was an epiphany. It was, a, it yeah. was an epiphany. I, kind of, I can't remember the exact moment it happened, but it was definitely accumulative over, over like a few months where I'd seen the effects of it and yeah i just i just realized that that was that was uh, that was one of my purposes i knew that i had to like what it had given me this is what i say and that was the first catalyst to change from fitness and then after basically after that it's a bit of a hero story really because um after all of that happened i, I moved away with one of my partners um we lost the baby and i kept we came back and i was all depressed again and we started getting on drugs again and things like that and that that was really, really challenging. But eventually I found fitness again. I found training. It was actually bodybuilding. I found bodybuilding and four years of that and ended up competing. And, you know, two years from the line from there, I'm now the founder of my own company doing what I'm doing. Love every day of my life. I'm blessed to be here doing what I do and helping people. So it wasn't just one catalyst for change and one epiphany. There's been several over the years, but my purpose has changed since then, you know, I think that it does. I think that the more we evolve, the, the, the better we get, the more <clears throat> developed we become, the more fathomable our, our goals become, we start to shift the purpose and it shifts from potentially at that point helping kids in that environment because that was what I thought my purpose was to help youth, at the, you know, come into the boxing world and develop their GCSEs and get this equivalent great. That's what I thought my purpose was. But over time, it shifted, you know, and that's no longer my purpose now. You know, that's someone else's. And, I'm, you know, massive respect to the people that are still doing those classes and the things for those kids. But that's not my purpose anymore. Absolutely, Matt. But I think the commonality there, irrespective of where, how that changed, and, uh, and it does change, as you quite rightly say, but without a purpose, whatever that may be, and there's no right or wrong in any of that, it's where we are at any one given moment in time. I think the point I'm trying to make, and this certainly is my first pillar, is we need purpose because I liken it to a ship without a rudder. If you haven't got a rudder, you're just going to be tossed around by life's waves and you're going to be hitting rocks. And um, if that was not actually a bad pun where drugs were concerned, was it? Wasn't wasn't meant to be. But, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of turbulent in life. See, we don't really know where we, we do, what we're doing, who we're mixing, why we're doing it. We're just kind of barely existing. So, you know, I'm absolutely massive on that, that first pillar being around purpose. So I'm very interesting to hear your story, that part of your story there, Matt, around, you know, that first, that first domino. Because who knows without that first, and we'll never know, but without that first domino of boxing going down, the subsequent dominoes might not have done. They may have done. We don't know. But it's that, or it's, I suppose I always term it like your first kiss. You never really forget that. Mm. You know, the fact that you might have been married thereafter and had kids and, you know, gone on that journey. Well, that's another thing altogether. But it's that first kind of innocent kiss and you think, oh, I've just discovered something that nobody else has. Well, no, not, not, not really. But you'll learn that in time. <laughs> Do you know, it's, that's, that's again, that is a, a whole other topic, isn't it, to talk about that and the realities that, I guess, the reality and regret 
you know, because like who knows what who knows what happens if we're five minutes late. You know, that's yeah. just a whole other conversation to have. Who who knows what happens if we're born five houses down the road, two houses down the road, fucking the next door neighbour. Who knows? Because you, it literally it literally is like that. And and that's right. And I think that's why for me it's imperative to be the you know to use that ship uh, analogy again to take to be the captain of that ship. Because what's happening outside there is in nine times out of ten is out of our control completely. What happens in here is one hundred percent. Imagine if my mum never turned that one more page on the newspaper. Imagine mm. she just never turned that page over. I said I can't be bothered to look at these jobs anymore. Absolutely. We never got round to flipping that next page on the newspaper. Yeah. Absolutely. Who actually yeah. knows? We just do not know what would happen. It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely. So I think it's fair to... My brother hadn't gone out that night and done what he'd done. Yeah. I mean, certainly one of the lines I take is, what if? I mean, I do a lot of stuff around what if, what if. Well, <laughs> brings it back to, you don't know. But what you do know is what you can control. So, you know, get that metaphoric mirror and have a good look at that and turn the focus back inside because... That is the one thing that we can control ourselves. And, uh, you know, all that chaos and madness that's going off in the outside world, well, that's, that's down to the world, not me. I can't control that, but I can control the way I react to it. And that's, that's kind of the journey that uh, I've certainly been on and continue to go on um, over the years and inspire others to do. And I know you're doing the same thing, Matt. I, that's what I mean. I think it's, 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 it's really cool how we've kind of come together to do this because... <clears throat> Although we have, um, we, we figured we disagree on some things the other day on a, on a Facebook post, um, which is completely healthy and normal for people to disagree with, with others and debate and debate and discuss. But I think it's just really cool how, you know, we are still very aligned in what we talk about because I'm, I'm very much of the, ch- the, to- the tune of external and internal. So you can't control the external, you know, and this is part I said to you before about my ethos that shit is just going to happen in life. Yeah, things are going to happen. We might get a phone call that we really don't want when one of our parents are dead. We might get that. We might get another call that says that there's been, there's been a terrible car accident. Like, we just don't know. We can't control that. But one thing we can control is the internal. It's how we react to it. So just because it's happened doesn't mean that it has to dictate the rest of your life or define the rest of your life. You can control how you feel about it and what you do about it. That's completely possible. And it was only when I realised that a few years ago that actually all this stuff was going round and round in circles. Like I would have the hero moment and then I'd have like this terrible down. And my life was just constantly like this all the time. It was like I'd start getting some traction and then bang, something would happen and I'd be down again. But it wasn't, it, what, the way I see it in my head now, and I've said this to a few clients before, there's one difference between the people that get somewhere in life and the ones that don't. And that is their ability to retain the same mindset that gets them to their peaks during their troughs. If you can do that, if you can control, which we can because it's internal, if you can control the same mindset and just stay in that place, regardless if it's a peak or a trough that you're going through, you will become a winner. You will get where you need to go. You will be supreme. That is just how it is. But a lot of people can't do that because what happens is these external things happen and it wipes them out. They become serviceless to the, to the society. They can't do it. 
and then they blame those things. Oh, but you wouldn't understand this happened. You know, like I said to you the other day about the, the, the homeless, the, the guy who's homeless. Oh, but you wouldn't understand this happened, this happened, this happened. Who cares? It's going to happen. And you know what? A month from down the line, something else might happen. I could lose my business. I could, yeah. who, who knows? But what I can do is just control the way I respond to it. And that's just a fact. I can do that. And my mindset is in a place now of such resilience. And I'm thankful, actually, Paul, for the amount of shit that I've been through in my life. I don't, I don't regret any of it. And I certainly don't, um, I certainly don't wish I had a silver spoon in my mouth at all because the things that I've experienced has literally built the resilience in me to be able to do what I do today. Yeah. I'm resilient to a lot of shit. Yeah. So I've lost my relationships over the years. I've had to move away from my door. I've had to have nights and nights and nights go by where I don't wake up next to her every day. And that's just part, the, and that is part of the process and getting where I'm going. And there's, there's nothing I can do about some of those things, but I can certainly remain in the most positive mindset possible. Use my ethos to drive me every day. So be more and do more and just keep consistently living by that. And, I know where I'm going. My belief is there's not a, a shred of doubt in me that my company will not go on to, to do multiple eight figures. Not a shred of doubt anymore. There used to be. And it usually was when I was going through one of these troughs that I would start to doubt myself and all these fears would come in and failures and hardships. Now I just go, you know what? This is a, another failure. And I've got to embrace this. This is an opportunity for me to grow. This is an opportunity for me to get better. This isn't... This is this is the world, this is something telling me that I need to level up right now. Yeah. I can't go backwards. Yeah, the signs are there. The signs are there all the time. And my take upon that, uh, Matt, what, what you've said there, um, to use your terminology, born with the silver spoon or not as the case may be, because people have different sets of challenges, don't they? Um, we're all different. It's not to say that one's more acute than the other it is what it is but the commonality for me and i coin it in this phrase is life's champions emerge because they learn to let go of the pain from the past but not the lessons learned and i've got a boxing caption because a friend of mine he does all the uh, the white collar um stuff in, in the east midlands um and obviously i've been a sort of key part of his gym over the years but there's, there's a caption in there and i've got a, a sort of picture of a you know uh, that victorious pose and using it in that boxing analogy to keep it in context of your sort of uh, your past, Matt, how many world champions are out there that never suffered from a broken rib or a broken nose or a scar or a cut eye or whatever? They didn't. And I think that's a great metaphor for life. We've got the scars, but do you know what? We've moved on. Ouch, that hurt. That really did hurt. But do you know what? I'll move on. I'll take the lessons. So next time in life, metaphorically speaking, I'll keep my jaw covered so that mistake doesn't happen. But I'm not going to be bitter. I'm grateful for the learning, even though it was very painful. But I grow and I grow and I grow. Mm. And I think that's, um, a, you know, for me, a great way of sort of summarising how we, you know, because we, we do come from different directions, but we are, I believe, gelled by one thing, and that is the the benefits of change. I think that is our having thought about, uh, you know, our dynamic, Matt, if you like, and I think that's, you know, that's certainly the point of this this um, this podcast for for listeners to then pick out bits that they may resonate with you, they may resonate 
and they'll they'll embrace that in their own experience because all we have as as individuals as human beings is our own experience is is what i truly believe so if i can move on to your second pillar then matt uh, we've already uh, kind of touched on our first pillars. Um, tell me about your second pillar. Well, it's, <clears throat> I guess it's not so much. Um, I guess there's there's not so much like three pillars. I guess there is. It depends on which perspective you, you shift it on. But I'll explain the ethos because it's it's quite easy to do, and it's um, I think there's there's something there's something people can take something from from any part of it. So the ethos is be more, do more, and be supreme. So I guess there's three, so there's three pillars, right? Um, of course, everybody wants to be supreme, right? There's not a person on this planet that doesn't want to be supreme. Although they may not use that term, there's not a person on this planet that doesn't want to be supreme. I'll give you an example. I've got a friend who was a heroin addict. Yeah, he was a heroin addict. Um, hated it. He absolutely hated it. He said, this is the circumstances that I'm in. This is the position I'm in. But every day he'd wake up and he'd say, he didn't want to fucking do it. He wanted to be more. He wanted to be supreme. He wanted to be better. He wanted to be better every day. But his circumstances and his habits and his routine kept him where he was, right? But he wanted to be more than that. He just, that's what he was living in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we all do. If a heroin addict wants to do it, we all do, right? <clears throat> it's a comparison I use, but it's true. But to be supreme, I believe there's two other key fundamental things we need to do. And in the first part, there's actually three elements. In the second part, there's one. Okay, so be more consists of three different elements. You have to accept who you've been in the past. I think that's massively key to actually doing anything in life because if you don't accept it, you hold it, it will just control you. It will just, it will just go through life doing what the guy who's homeless done oh, but you didn't understand I was in care and I did this and my mum and dad were crackheads and this and that. He's not accepting any of those things. He's just talking about them. It's manifesting. It's creating more negativity. It's clouding his the, the ability for him to create vision. And that's why he's where he is because he's just not accepting that first part. I think everybody just needs to accept the person they've been in the past. Just accept it. Very easy te technique to, to use, right? If you hold stuff in, you don't share it with the world, it will manifest, it will, it will destroy you internally. It just does. I've done it. 18 years, I never shared that story about my brother once to anybody other than a handful of friends. But social media and things like that, only at the beginning of this year did I decide that actually I need to do this for me, not for anybody else, I need to share this for me. And since then, I've shared it loads of times because I understand the impact that's created, right? So the first part is I had to just accept that. I had to accept that people were not going to call me a murderer anymore. And even if they did, you know what? I'm not one. I didn't do anything wrong. I was fucking 10 years old. I didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, I had to suffer consequences of it. And the people who it had happened to, the family it had happened to, they're not the only one who had lost a member of their family. I haven't spoken to my brother in almost 18 years. So they didn't just lose a member of their family. I did too. But, you know, that's part of accepting it. Now, I've accepted the person that I've been in the past, and that allowed me to understand who I am today. And that's the second part. You've just got to understand who you are right now in this present second. So I am who I am. I drive the car I drive. I've got the money I've got in my bank. I do the things that I do on a daily basis, whether they're habits that are sabotaging me or they're making, turning me into a success. That's who I am today. I understand that. 
But you can't get to the understanding until you've accepted. It's not possible because your understanding of who you are is going to be completely skewed. It won't be true because you just, you haven't accepted those things. You're clapping, you're pushing things to one side and then saying, oh, this is who I am. No, that's not who you are. That's who you are saying you are, but you're not, and it's not true. It's transparent and people can see it. So you need to just accept the person who you've been, whether you do that internally or you want to share it on social media, whatever way. And I actually help a lot of entrepreneurs and small business owners do that. I, I help them share who they are and share their story <clears throat> so that they, they, they can grow their businesses, as, as strange as that might sound to some people. Um, but it's true. It creates a lot of emotional connection. So the second part is to understand who you are. And it's only at that point, Paul, that I believe you can know who you want to become. Because there's too many people that are currently sitting here in this world today, and they, they, they think they know who they want to be, and they're living so far in the future that they haven't really accepted who they are today, that who they was in the past or who they are. And because they're not getting those first two elements, the, f- the third part of knowing who you want to be, it will probably never happen. And I'm almost certain on that. It will never happen for those people. They're just trying to carry a vision, but they have no real cl- You won't get to the vision without the clarity and purpose from accepting who you've been, understanding who you are. This is my belief system. So I don't believe it's possible to create a vision without first really accepting who you've been, understanding who you are. It's only at that point that you become more clear on exactly what you should be doing or where, where you might be going in life. That's my belief. Some people may disagree, but that's what I believe. And, and you know, go on, sorry. Go on, sorry. Carry on. That's, that's the, the be more part. Um, they're the three fundamental uh, elements of it then the second sorry matt can i do apologize can i come in at that point before you move on mm-hmm. is it fair to say then from from what i'm hearing um that that is a question of awareness it's awareness of your acceptance or not at that le- at that moment in time it's having that awareness or your understanding of where you are and then it's having that awareness of actually so now i know who i am but do I, am I aware of where, where I want to go? Because if I've kind of been, in a nice sense, derailed from who I thought I was, but this is actually who I am, maybe my destination's now changed because I'm in a different place. So would it be fair to say, um, and I ask it as a question, that those three things could probably be summed up um, <coughs> excuse me, by awareness? Is, 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 would that be a fair assessment possible because you know one of the things that i see i see there's so many people that and you probably see it yourself they're searching they're searching for the, their whole life for what they want to become yeah and i'm telling you it can be solved if you just start looking internally and you just mm-hmm. start to accept and you start to understand it can it, the rest of it will sort itself out but there's people that i speak to i mean i spoke to a girl yesterday she said in an inbox, it was something like, we were, we were talking and she, and she said something like, oh, I'm just, trying to fig- I'm just trying to find my purpose in life. And so many people are trying to do that. And it's like, if I really started to ask the right questions, you know, right coaching questions, and she spent some one-to-one time with me, we could figure that out, you know? Likewise, I can figure that out with people. But I feel that the biggest thing missing from a lot of people is just those first two parts and you're right it could be summed up as just being aware of where you are and who you are and what you want um so it's definitely interlinked with that yeah okay 
moving on then, Matt, um, I'm kind of going to, because of the way this conversation's kind of evolving, because um, what I, I want to try and make it really simple so that listeners can get something out of it in a, in a way that's beneficial to them, because me and you could sit here and we could, you know, we could philosophize till the cows come home and, and it'd be a fascinating conversation. But I'm very mindful, uh, with all due respect to you and me, it's not about us. It's about our listeners uh, and for their benefit and what they may be able to take away uh, some value from it. So kind of moving on, and you've mentioned this word, Matt, a few times around beliefs. In your, in your opinion, how influential are beliefs in, in where we are? Massively. Massively. Because... Yeah, 100%. Because you, 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 look, we are the sum of our thoughts. Yeah. And the questions we ask ourselves. Yeah. And the decisions that we make. That's just the reality. It's not, it's not by chance and it's not luck. And I believe that our experiences are what create our beliefs. And this is actually psychological, psych psychology, isn't it? To a degree. Um, and just to, Disclaimer, I'm not a psychologist, okay? <laughs> I just understand a little bit of human psychology. Um, so, yeah, my experiences formed my beliefs. My beliefs then formed my habits. My habits is what either kept me where I was or continued or helped me grow. So they are massively key in development. Like, I was speaking to a guy yesterday on a discovery session, and... Um, he was saying, we were talking about what he wanted to do in the next 90 to 120 days, right? And he said, well, you know, he told me, and, and it was amazing, you know, he had this, this, this great vision for three months and six months. And then he was saying, you know, in, in, the, in the future, I mean, it would be really cool. I mean, I'd like to, or I'd, I'd want to, yeah, want is the word he used. I'd, I'd want to be um, talking in front of tens of thousands of people on stages and things like that. And I said, want? I was very desperate. Please, sir, can I have some more? Yeah. That's what it comes across as. And because you're doing that, you will. You will. You have to have full belief that you will. You will be speaking in front of tens of thousands of people one day. All right? And you're in the process of making that happen right now. But people, their beliefs, that means they say these things and they don't realize, but they're sabotaging what they're saying because it comes out and it's, it's wrong for them. So like he was saying, you know, I want to be, I want to be, and it's just desperate. It comes across as des desperation. And because of that comes out as desperation and then it creates desperation. So I believe his beliefs are just not in the right place, you know, and they will be because hopefully the, the, the gentleman's going to come on board and work with him. It's clever um, if his beliefs are right. And um, it's, it's there. It's there that a lot of people need to start. You need to get the belief system completely bulletproof, you know. So like I said to you earlier, I, I, there's not a doubt in my mind that my company will go and do multiple set eight figures. And that's just, it's just my, no one can, no one can, take that away like it's just that's solid in my head in my heart that's it there isn't another there isn't anything else that's yeah. just going to happen i mean i think uh, gandhi summed it up in terms of the beliefs hierarchy when he said our beliefs become our thoughts our thoughts become our words our words become our actions um habits values and results so we go from beliefs to results you know and it, and, and i hasten to use that kind of 
cliche of what we think we are we will become but actually what we think we are we will become because if that's where it kind of brings us back to that rudder on the ship again if that's where we're destined to go it's not going to say it's going to be easy there won't be rocks in the way there won't be waves there won't be challenges whatever but if that's where we're going to go then that's where we're going to go do you know it's funny that you say this right because around what you've just said i worked with uh, when i was doing fitness coaching at the beginning of the year I worked with a girl who, I was with her for three months in total. And in, in the first four weeks, obviously the first week to the fourth week, we set like a 30 day goal, and then a 60 day goal, 90 day goal. And between week one and week four, we had had four coaching sessions. By the second coaching session, she had told me, she was a runner, keen runner, so she loved to run. And she was never able to push past five kilometers she just couldn't do more than five kilometer run in one, in one stint. And that's what she believed. She really believed that she couldn't do more than five kilometers in, in, in one stint. And by the fourth coaching session, because we set the goal that she was going to run 7K, right? That's what, that's what we set the goal as. It was, okay, you can't do five where well, you can do seven, okay? You can do seven. And I just installed this belief, empowered her to be able to do it, gave her a few techniques and a, and a few... Um, tips, I guess, on how to do that. Most mental than it was physical, because there isn't really much you can do once your body is saying, no, it's all about whether or not you feel like you've got it in you to do it. And on week four, she runs 7K in one stint. It was actually 7.12 or something in one stint. she done it. Now, the problem, the, the point for me and the problem was when we were on a second coaching call, she, she said this sentence that really jumped out at me and it was how I actually managed to change her mindset. She said to me during a conversation, and I was like, why do you feel that you can't do more than 5K? Like, what, why? And she said, look, I'll be honest, I'm inherently lazy. And she said it, she said, she said that. She said, I'm inherently lazy. So I stopped her right there and I said, you know what that means? So I explained what the meaning of inherently lazy is. And I said, you're telling yourself that you're inherently lazy and that's why you are going to be inherently lazy. I said, you need to change that now. It needs to change today. You need to make a promise to yourself that things that you're telling yourself are going to change. And it's going to be about how you're in the process of getting better. You're in the process of becoming fitter. You're in the process of busting out more than 5K. Yeah, it's all happening for you right now. You can change it. And we changed her, and this is why I believe she'd done 7K. It wasn't because she got massively fit in two weeks. That doesn't happen. You know, people don't just, you don't, you don't get that fit in two weeks to be able to do that if it was just physical. But we changed her belief system. I changed her from feeling like she was inherently lazy to the, seven, the 5K is, is nothing. It's complete, you know what, I could do that in my sleep. And the 7K, the 10K, it's all possible for me. And the minute that we done that in that coaching session, I, I, I knew that if she went away and she started to implement and she started to really fill her mind with the things that I was telling her to say every day, she would do it. And she did. So there's a story of success for you. In four weeks, that was someone who thought they were inherently lazy, could never do more than 5K, bust out a 7K run in one stint. Yeah. From the belief. A simple technique, um, Matt, that, uh, that I often share when, when I'm talking about beliefs with people and the power of beliefs um, and reinforcing that they are, you know, they're at the top of the hierarchy in terms of what we do is I would say, well, OK, so which is your weaker arm, left or right? Left. OK, 
put your left arm out. Now I want you to imagine we're doing this exercise now, uh, Matt, and we're looking at each other. So I'll say to you, Matt, which is your weaker arm out the two? Your left. Okay, so put your left arm out then, please. And what I would say, I would then get my right, because my right is the stronger, and I would say, Matt, what I want you to do, just for 30 seconds, I want you to go into a phase of negativity, just for 30 seconds. I know you don't live there, and you don't want to be there, but for 30 seconds, just, just humour me. And I want you to tell me how weak, how pathetic, how rubbish you are and your world is garbage and you're garbage and you'll never do anything because you're a waste of space and i want you to verbalize that to me and while you're doing that i'm going to get my right arm and i'm going to and i want you to fight this with your left but focus more on telling me how rubbish you are and i'm going to push your left arm down while you're telling me this and what will happen matt is your left arm will go down very easily because your mindset is negative toxic i'm rubbish i'm this i'm that right okay enough they've of done that the same thing with um they've done an experiment with um plants did you did you ever read about that the experiment with they did with plants no but if i can just finish this off for matt so what we do then same exactly the same right matt now tell me how brilliant you are how positive how strong you are how vibrant how creative you are really and i'll tell you what do that for a minute we don't want 30 i tell you what give me two minutes telling me about this awesome power of a human being you are and i can guarantee i'll try the same thing and i, I won't be able to do it i won't be able to do it and that's just a very simple mind hack to show that the power of beliefs Mm -hmm. It's a very, very, very good, um, very good experiment to do. I was saying they'd done the same thing with plants. They put plants, they, I think it was two plants, they put them both into like the glass casing. And um, they told one of them every day, you know, went in there and shouted at it and used negative words and just filled the room in the, in the place with sort of negativity. And then the other one, they told it they, they loved it and they wanted to nurture it and it was great, it was amazing. And there was a significant difference in the quality of the flower by the end of like a few days or something. So one of them was wilting, the one that had all the negativity was all wilting and the other one was still <laughs> so, Yeah, It's really incredible, it really is. Yeah. I want to ask you, Matt, if I may, around your views around creativity. What, what's, in, and how that works in your process of, you know, what we, we loosely term this discussion around three pillars. You know, is creativity a big part of your model or your world, you as a person? How, what, what's your views on creativity? Yeah, so, you know, it's funny you should actually say that because it was actually something that I was talking to somebody about probably two days ago, is this is this specific thing. Um, so I, I was always like really, I, I failed in school, right? I don't know if you saw my post on Facebook the other day. It was, um, thankfully, I failed in school because I found entrepreneurship. <laughs> right um, and in school maths English science um, geography all, all of them failed right really bad I think I got like two two C's in the, one or two C's out of however many GCSEs the rest were all E's and, and, and F's and I got one A and that was in art I got one A in art and I was always very, very creative. I was always able to like draw the most 
insane pictures and things like that. I was always super creative. And I carried that into, as now, as an adult and doing what I do with an entrepreneurship, I carried that over. Um, I believe that that is something as well that was, I think that, I mean, I, I actually have a, a question in, in response to it around um, like having gifts, because I was always told that I was, and maybe that's a belief, right, that was instilled. So this is, this is a clever conversation. I was always told I was really good at art. Yeah, and I just happened to be really good at art. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, was that a gift or was I just reinforced with those beliefs that I was really good at art? So I'm really good at art. But certainly today, um, I, I carry that over into entrepreneurship. I feel, I feel that that's a massive thing. And a lot of um, companies are now using and have all of the biggest companies in the world use creativity at the forefront of everything they do, all their designs, their innovations. It's all creative. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the reason I ask that, Matt, is because kind of, you know, um, the different approaches that uh, I know we've got, um, as I've said, you know, different people will resonate with different things from where they are uh, at any one given moment in time. But I think the thing, the key thing is the glue that holds us together, whether it's me and you or another Paul and another Matt and, and the world or whatever, is that the one thing that's that's certain or one of the two things that's certain is is change it's it's there all the time and we have to reinvent i like what you said matt at the top of this conversation around my purpose was then but that's not necessarily now and where you are now might not be where you are tomorrow or the day after or wherever because we're constantly evolving as our awareness grows isn't it true to say that we change and we grow mm -hmm. So for me, what I try and do, Matt, in all these fascinating conversations that I have with people and respect their diversity of opinion and their experiences, because if we're open to that, we can learn, you know, I, I've learned from listening to your story insights that, yeah, okay, I, I kind of get that. Might not necessarily totally agree with it, but, but I get it. And actually... To what part does that fit into my reality of the world? And that's not to say that my reality of the world is right. It's where I am at this moment in time. Mm -hmm. So with the awareness and the beliefs and the creativity, Matt, what I believe around creativity, taking it back to what you said about purpose, isn't it true for all of us, no matter where we are on our journey, that we're constantly needing to reinvent who we are? You know, it's around that identity that, that we've got and that reinforces the belief of who, you know, you know, I know when I was at the height of my drinking and, and um, you know, life was, was very, very challenging. It was like I created this identity of an Irish descent brawler. Mm. That's what I would do. Why? I don't know, because that's what I do. And, and I would kick off and, and you know, and but that. I now know rationalizing that it gave me that identity. What it really gave me was it, it was masquerading that insecurity and that vulnerability because I was hurting so much inside. So by roaring at people and giving off this false impression, I was keeping them at arm's length. Creatively, what I learned over the years is actually to strip back those plasters that had been put on me by my, mainly by myself, but also society. He's this, and I've got to say now, labels are for jars not people mm. and but i gave myself a lot of those labels because mm. it masqueraded that insecurity and that vulnerability what i do now is i show that 
and say, listen, I'm a human being. I'm vulnerable. I have weaknesses. I have strengths. If you feel that you want to put those labels on me, that's fine. But I know what I am inside. And I've got that self-love. But what's took me there, uh, Matt, and this is why I ask you the question, because I know there is a parallel in our journeys, is that creative thinking. Because if I was held to those beliefs that uh, big boys don't cry, right, okay, this one does. This one openly admits he does. He's proud because it's part of his vulnerability, and that vulnerability is his strength. So... I, I do love that stuff around creativity because I think otherwise we're just tied into that rigid, well, Matt, you come from an inner city council estate, so this is what you will do. Well, hang on, no, I challenge that. I... Yeah, you're, you're massively on point, actually, with that. Um, I'm reading a book at the moment by Ed Milet, so I don't know if you follow Ed Milet, if you know who Ed no. Milet is. It's amazing how many people don't know who that guy is, yet his net worth is over 400 million and he has one of the biggest financial companies in the entire world, right? It's incredible and he's an incredible guy. Like he's, um, again, not necessarily in alignment with what I'm about because he's, he's, a, he's a man of religion, so faith, yeah? Um, which I'm not and, I'm, and that's fine. Um, but with him, he talks massively about identity and status. You know, like everything we do, the decisions we make, the people we hang out with, the car we drive, the house we have, the money we earn, all of it is, is, is part of the identity that we have and the status it brings us by doing those things or, or owning those things. You know, so you, you, you know, you're massively on point with that. I mean, it's actually not something that I talk about as being my beliefs because it's not my, my belief. Um, but it's something that I've read about, learned about, and I actually, like you said, you understand and can get some of my things. I get that, you know, and it's so true because how many times people say, like, I bought this watch, right? And it's not a massively expensive watch, but it's a nice watch. And I could have bought any other watch in the window. I could have even gone to probably Argos and got a watch, but I wanted this Hugo box, beautiful gold, rounding out the rim, lovely leather strap. I wanted that one. But why? Why? Why did I want it? Mm. I'm, not, I'm not massive on material goods. Like, I like to have nice, shiny things, but why did I want it? What was the deeper reason why I wanted it? Status. Do I have a nice watch, put it on my wrist, and I have this status that brings me identity? Yeah, it's people's... And do you know what, Matt? That, that's fantastic what you've just said, because that kind of, as we start to, to wrap things up now, that, I mean, I, and I have to kind of... Uh, look at my note on this. Uh, I've got a definition. It's from Wikipedia, would you believe? But it's fantastic. And it's around prosperity, what you've said. You've just said something there that's kind of given me a light bulb. And if I can quote this, and as I say, it is verbatim from, from Wikipedia. Prosperity is the state of flourishing, thriving, good fortune or successful social status. Prosperity often encompasses wealth but also includes other factors which can be independent of wealth to varying degrees, such as happiness and health. When you said that there, Matt, it's like, uh, it just kind of gave me that light bulb moment around that definition. I love that definition. I actually should know that off by art because I use it over and over and over again because I totally believe in it. Um, 
Do, do you resonate? I mean, what, you know, we're not. It's not an academic discussion, but does that kind of hold water for you? What what they're saying there about prosperity? It's, it's so true. I've actually got it here as well. Um, same the same quote. Um, prosperity is a state of flourishing, thriving, good fortune, or success. Shows shows some state. Look, social status. Bang on, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I think it's fair to say, by way of kind of concluding then, um, Matt, I think it's fair to say that both of us have come from a, a journey of pain to prosperity, whatever that pain was, whatever that prosperity is, it's different for all of us. If you was to leave a takeaway now for listeners, what would it be? What, what would you kind of be your 30 second elevator pitch to say, right, this is it, guys? I've got this. So, and this is actually something that I, I, I do say to a lot of clients. Um, so life is full of fake fears, it's full of failures, it's full of hardships. And there is nothing that we can do about some of those. Right? We just have to accept them. But what you can do is control the internal that you can control. Okay. So we can control how we react to those things happening. One of the things that I think is, is, is key to that is consistency. Do you have the ability to remain consistent with your vision in the face of all of those things? Because if you do, you will be supreme. So that is my takeaway. I believe that if you stay consistent to the vision, regardless of the fears, failures and hardships that present themselves, if you stay to the vision that is in the forefront of your mind and you do the daily actions, you will get to where you want to get to. That's brilliant, Matt. So for listeners wanting to find you, what, um, where, where can we find you? What's your social media? What's your web address, etc.? Under a rock in the back garden. I'm in a joke. Um, <laughs> no, I'm never going back to that place. Um, actually, I'm just on social media. So if you search um, Matthew Burbridge on Facebook, you'll be able to find me. Um, and then on there, if you go to my profile, there's a bunch of links. So like they're hyperlinks that are in, this, in the bio. That's got my website, B Supreme's website, um, Instagram, and everything else. So if anybody, and it's not hard to find either because all you've got to do is look for that. Yeah. Right, B Supreme. It's yeah. plastered pretty much everywhere that I go. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, uh, of course, if anybody um, if anybody wants to reach out and have a chat, I'm always on online, and my, my business is purely focused online. So I'm pretty much on it most days, every day. So okay. So before we uh, before we say cheerio to all from both Matthew and myself, um, I'd just like to leave you, if I may, with my my takeaway. And I think life is a simple life is a very very simple game. I think human nature being what it is, we complicate it. Um, and it is a simple, change is as simple as ABC. And me and Matthew have already talked about it in this conversation, uh, using diverse experiences, but we've kind of reached an agreement that it's down to awareness, it's down to beliefs, and it's down to creativity. So life can be as simple as ABC. Hopefully, you've took some value from, uh, from this podcast. Uh, and until next time, take care and thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. Drop a line to paul at paullowhearts.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at paullowhearts.com 
or any of his social media feeds under the same name. Remember, mastering life starts by embracing our hearts.